This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back. It is Jay Scott. It is the Hook Rocks. Thanks again for stopping by, tuning in, and giving us a listen. Please write us a five-star review when you're done listening. I'm sure you're going to enjoy this this episode. I'm totally 100% confident that you will. Uh, We are part of the Pantheon Podcast Network, a great network of music podcasts, and they've got something for everybody from vintage album vinyl albums discussions to the great kiss podcast to so many more we're part of that platform we've been now with them for over two years so please follow them on twitter instagram and facebook at pantheon pods check out their website at pantheonpodcast.com and don't forget to follow the hook rocks wherever you social media on twitter instagram and facebook at the hook rocks and we are on threads now Still trying to figure out that platform like a lot of, like a lot of people are, but we'll get to it and we'll figure it out and we'll have more of a presence on there in the coming days and future. Don't forget to set your app to automatic downloads so you get all the episodes right to your phone, all the latest episodes and previous episodes. We just celebrated our five year or our four year anniversary with Nita Strauss. 
We also celebrated our 500th episode with Dax Nielsen from Cheap Trick. And we've had some great guests recently. We had Rebecca Potzner, the founder of Banded PR. Great platform. Great. Um, I, I always love when people are really trying their hardest and, and very passionate about promoting new rock music. It's very important to the longevity and health of the genre. So I love following her and all the people that are involved with that. So it was great to have her on. We also celebrated last quarter's top albums with Chris Cordetti, as we do for every quarter. We break down the great albums from the previous three months. So check out that episode, as well as some great legacy artists. We had George Lynch, the great guitar player from Dokken. We had Kip Winger. We had Richie Kotzen. We also uh, welcomed Don Jameson from That Metal Show. And Scott Gorham from Thin Lizzy on a collaborative episode, too, as well. Some great new music spotlights with Jax Hollow, great Nashville singer-songwriter. She's getting ready to open up for Melissa Etheridge at the Ryman next week in Nashville. So I'm really excited for her. That's a big opportunity, and I hope uh, it goes as well as she has planned it. I think she's going to kick ass. So if you're in the Nashville area, check out, see if there's tickets still available and go check out Jack's Hollow opening up for Melissa Etheridge. We also had the Weathered Souls on, great band from Texas, as well as Mitch McCauley from the band Moon Fever. And our next guest, the step into the new music spotlight, I had the pleasure of meeting when she was playing with the Dead Deads with the Black Moods outside of Chicago here back in March. And I love the Foxy's EP last year. That they released. And I told her that. And like she was she was kind of surprised. I'm like, why would you be surprised? It's great music. And happy to finally have Julia from the Foxies on the Hook Rocks. What's happening? How are you? Hi, Jay. I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's it's gonna be great to get to know you here over the next 40 or 45 minutes or so. And glad to have Hi. you finally doing the podcast. Well, it's good to see you again. You know, it was such a great show. It was great to talk with you um, briefly at the after the show with the Black Moods and the Dead mm-hmm. Deads. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was um, a great. You know that venue that you guys played at. I think it was it was either a weeknight or a Sunday night. Mm-hmm. And you know, I was telling. I think it was Meta that yeah. that crowd on that particular day was a good crowd because. It's kind of out in the middle of nowhere. Um, yeah. <laughs> the, the two biggest industries in Joliet, or as we call it in Chicago, Joylet. Joylet. Um, <laughs> That's amazing. Joylet. Joylet. <laughs> um, is prisons and steel, basically. Those are the two biggest industries. And if you're ever out that way again, if you ever have a gig out that way, there's a great photo op of the Joliet prison that Jake Blues from the Blues Brothers walks out of in the beginning of the movie. Were so, you telling me about that? I think Somebody I was. Told- yeah. Yes, yes. Because I remember I was like, we were staying at the casino and I was like, do we have time to go to the prison? And we just like, you know, like when you're on tour, you, you, you want to make time to do all these things. But it's yeah. so hard because... You got to get sleep. You got to find time to work out. And we did not get to go to the prison, but I hope I get to go to the prison next time. <laughs> well, it, keep in mind, you know, you, you don't really want to go to the prison, but you're, <laughs> you're you're excited to have the photo opportunity. <laughs> want to make friends, man? Yeah, pal. <laughs> there's like there's like 
two prisons in Joliet and there's a county jail. Yeah. Uh, it's wow. a, it's a, you know, it, it's a, it's a kind of an odd town. It's outside of Chicago. It's about 50 minutes outside of Chicago. And, you know, when it, the, the venue is great, it's yeah. a great venue. I just wish it was a little closer because it is. Yeah. A you know, I will say that that was probably that. And I think we played Buffalo too. Um, those two shows were my favorite on that tour. The room was just, the room was mighty and it was awesome. And when the room is mighty, you feel mighty, you yeah. know, and it, it makes the show a lot easier. So how did that all come about? Um, so I had met the dead deads many, many years ago. Um, when I first moved to Nashville and I was just starting out with the Foxies there and I became friends with, um, Tish's sister. And then through Tish's sister, I met Tish and Tish and I just kind of kept in contact. And then, uh, she was like, Hey, I've got a song that I would love for you to sing on called Hey Girlfriend. And I was like, totally like, why not? Let's do it. And we did this, you know, female empowerment girl rock anthem. Um, and then fast forward to like two years later in the middle of the pandemic, she was like, Hey, do you know anybody that plays bass? Anybody that's a woman? And I was like, well, too bad. I don't know how to play. Cause I'd love to play for you guys. And she was like, I'll drop a bass off tomorrow and I'll give you a run through. And I was like, are you fucking serious? <laughs> so I hold up in my studio apartment. I already do that anyway. But like I massively hold up in my apartment, did not see anybody for a month and a half. I learned their songs by uh, little videos that she sent me and uh, just by ear saying what made sense. And um, I think the hardest thing for me to learn was how to tune the bass and figure out the pedal. <laughs> but other than that, you know, she was like, hey, our first show back is with Buck Cherry. Um in Nashville, would you want to play it? And I'm like, if I'm if I'm good enough to play, then yes. And that was probably one of our best shows, and it was really awesome. And now I'm hooked on the bass. There you go. Gonna it's be pretty like, crazy. Uh, you're gonna be like listening to like Rush now, and and all these uh, oh I know, fantastic right? bass players, right? Well, it's so funny because like that's always been the thing that I've focused on. Whenever I listen to music, um, yes, you you hear the melody. Yes, you listen to the lyrics. But I've never been drawn to the melody or lyrics at first. It's always the bass line. Um, so being able to like learn that and, and force myself to learn it in a month was was really empowering and really neat. Awesome. Well, before yeah. we get into more, we always ask the same first question, even though it's not the first question in this interview. <laughs> but every time we have a first time guest, we always ask, just like every rock song has a hook, mm-hmm. every rock fan has a moment, whether it's a song, an album, a band or performance that hooked them on rock and roll. What was it for you? It was seeing Green Day's American Idiot Tour when I was 10 years old. I was in love with Billy Joe Armstrong. And I begged my dad and my mom. I was like, mom, will you please let dad take me to see Green Day Live? And she was like, sure, hon. So at 10 years old on a school night, I'm in like fourth grade. My dad drives me to downtown Charlotte and I see I see Green Day playing. And I'm just like, it kind of clicked for me. I, I was like, oh, well, if Billy Joe can 
make this a living, so can I. And it's been a long road and it's been a lot of um, falling down and getting back up again, but that's what makes you resilient. And that's, that's when, you know, like when you keep falling down, you keep getting up, you've got music in you and you know what you're supposed to do with your life. Um, So that was the turning point for me, for sure. How old were you when that happened? 10. Wow. Yeah, I was 10. And then I was like, I want to start my own band. And then I started my own band at 13. My dad helped me put a flyers up in Guitar Center. And um, I had one guy guy call us. And he was my bass player for the next like six years, which was really cool. And he, he kept telling me, he was like, I felt so weird joining your band because I was 18 and you were 13. I was like, but we played music together for a very long time. And it was great. <laughs> so it's, it's funny how things happen and work out. I had a, a similar experience. Well, first, when I was a kid, I was riding my bike to shows at like 10 or 11 and locking them up on the side of the venue. And, you know, back then they didn't really ID. It was just kind of some guy, you know, stoned out of his mind, taking the money and the, and the tickets. He didn't care. Um, totally. You know, and, and so that was, I mean, I remember seeing, you know, like Metallica at the Aragon Ballroom when I was like, I think 11. Um, yeah. You know, and, and all these other gigs. And then I had with my son, he was five and he really liked Butch Walker. Oh, I love Butch. Yeah, he's great. Uh, he 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 yeah. loved Butch Walker, and he would sing his songs when I was you know in the car with him. And he had a soccer game one Saturday morning, and they had an all he had an all ages show in Kentucky at the Southgate House. Mm-hmm. And here I am loading up the car for a one day road trip to drive him four and a half hours so he could see Butch Walker. Yep, and it had such an impact on him. When we got back the next day, like. Two years ago or a year before that, I had bought him one of those guitars that have like the color coded buttons on the guitar, you know, and you try to figure it out. So he digs out this guitar, which he never touched. He digs it out and he's sitting on his bed and he's trying to play. He's trying to play guitar. And I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I want to learn how to play guitar. And uh, I'm like, all right, cool. You know, I'm like, so I went out and bought him like this cheap like hundred dollars, 75 hour guitar. Cause I wanted to see if he would stick with it, you know? Yeah. And, um, he was playing and he wasn't very good. So then we went to California, like a few years later. And I know this luthier in Hermosa beach and he gives him like this $25,000 custom guitar. He hands it to my son. I'm like, you sure you want to do that? <laughs> like it's easy, you know. And he taught him like the A chord and all these chords. And then after that, he was on his way and he hasn't stopped playing since. Oh, so it, like, it's just like, it's a beautiful thing when you can share a passion with your family, you know, and that's exactly what my dad did. And he believed in me so much in my passion. And it sounds like that's exactly what you did with your son. And that's really awesome. Yeah, you know, the other great thing about being a parent and having your kid play music because they practice a lot, mm-hmm. you know where they are. Yeah, yeah. You can, tell by the ho- you can tell by the house shaking with the amp turned all the way up. Like, oh, he's in his room practicing. And, 
you know, after it gets to like the sixth, seventh hour of practicing on a Saturday, you're like, all right, dude, I need a break. Yeah. You're like, hey, my ears, man, just give me like, give me like an hour of chill time, please. But it's amazing how the impact of live music mm-hmm. has on young people. And I always mm-hmm. tell, you know, people who are like, my kid doesn't like rock music. I'm like, well, how do you, how do you have them absorb it? Yeah. I play it in the car. I tell them to listen to it. I'm like, well, if you tell them to listen to it, you're the parents going, listen to this classic rock that I used to listen to when I was your age. And they're going to be like, well, this is dad's music, you know? Yep. But if you take them to a live show. Yes. It, it, there's something about the experience and the synergy with the crowd because a kid walks in there and he sees this band on stage because he recognizes the songs, but then yeah. there's people enjoying it. And he's like, oh, this is how people listen to music. They sit and they listen and they enjoy it and they cheer and they clap and whatever. So he feels like, or any kid feels like there's a sense of acceptance with it. It's not some oddball, strange thing that the unknown entity, you know? Well, it's, it's a beautiful thing too. I mean, we always say that like, you don't hear the Foxies until you see us live. And that is something that, I always, I've always believed in, even with my favorite bands, my biggest idols, like you can love their music, but you don't fully understand it. And you don't feel that connection until you see this otherworldly energy on stage. And it's, it's a, it's a complete force, you know? And that's when it clicked for me was when I first saw, you know, my first rock show. And I was like, Oh shit, I get it now. Yeah, yeah. It's so I get true. it now. Yeah. Yeah. And and here's the other thing too, like when it, when your kid plays an instrument, they realize it's a challenge, right? You don't just mm-hmm. I mean, very few people can pick up an instrument and already be a master. And that's something on like a like that affects maybe less than a percent of people. But yep. you really gotta work and you've got to like practice and it, it shows kids the power of challenging yourself mm-hmm. and overcoming what you don't understand and overcoming what you can't play to figuring it out. And that's a huge lesson to learn, you know, like yeah. I'm not worried about the kid who's trying to play the guitar and can't figure out the note or can't figure out the chord. And I'm not worried about the guy on the skateboard, the kid on the skateboard who keeps <laughs> falling and getting back up to do that again. Those kids are going to be fine. Because they understand yeah. nothing comes easy. Exactly. And that's, that's a really, that's a really great thing to say. Cause like, I remember being 10 and that's like, after I had seen Green Day, I was like, I want to learn how to play guitar. So I would go to guitar lessons after my cheerleading practice. And I remember my guitar. I, I absolutely hated guitar lessons, hated it because I did not understand it. I was like, there's too many strings. There's too many things I think about. I'm not good at it. So, you know, I can get by and play some things on on the guitar, but that's why I was always a little nervous to start playing bass is because I was like, I'm not good at guitar, so how am I going to be good at bass? But then it just kind of clicked where it was like, oh, maybe it's not that I wasn't good at guitar. It's just this one makes more sense to my brain. It's easier for my brain to figure out how to work it because I've always just really focused on the bass. Um, so I feel like if I had started playing bass at 10, oh my God, I feel like I'd be like, I'd be like flea, you know? <laughs> I'm like, hey, can I be like you? 
What about songwriting? Mm. You mentioned Green Day seeing them live and the impact that had on you. But what about writing a song? Did that come at the same time? Or was that something where you like, I connected with something that made me feel something that I want to try to do that too? Um, I remember I was like eight years old and we were still living in Kentucky at the time. Um, and I was with my cousins and I think like the pussycat dolls just released a song or something. And I, I took some of like my girl cousins and I was like, Hey, let's start a girl band. And we started a girl band for a day. We wrote one song. We were called the bad girls. Um, and we were like, we're going to be like the next pussycat dolls. And there's a photo that's so cringy that has surfaced on the internet from that. Um, but that kind of started the whole, like, oh, maybe I should like think about writing, but I never really dove into it until I started writing with my first band at 13. Um, and I never felt like I was a good writer, you know, like I, I still like, I feel like I've gotten better, but I have such bad imposter syndrome when it comes to writing where it's like, there are so many outside forces that tell you to, to write a certain way or, or to write about a certain thing when it's like, that's when you got to peel back the onion and you're just like, well, what am I writing about? And why do I want to say this? And then that's when the song kind of writes itself. Where do you find your comfort in writing? Is it through personal experience? Is it through observation? It has to be through personal experience for me. If um, I've found that like my hardest writing sessions have been when I have ran run out of things that I've experienced that week, you know, or like I felt too comfortable in my situation or too comfortable in my living situation. That's when it's so hard for me to kind of tap into that creative vein. Um, And that's when, you know, you kind of have to, go back into what you remember that kind of changed you as a teenager, as a young adult. Um, it's all very, very interesting. And, and you kind of have to keep those moments locked away in your brain for the day that you really need it to be creative. Um, so definitely, definitely have to live those experiences. Um, sometimes I can be an observer. I, I love observing things, but it's, it's definitely harder to write in that perspective. Um, but it's not impossible. So do you ever feel you get too personal or is it, is it difficult to kind of dive into something that impacted you negatively when you're writing? I feel like if I am with the right people that can allow me to bring that out, I feel like I'm safe. Um, I think that that's a very, very, very uh, strong thing that you need to have in a writing session is you need to be able to feel safe with who you're writing with, you need to feel safe with how you're going to, you know, present this idea. Um, and you need to be vulnerable. And that's why it's a difficult thing. Like all these writing sessions, they're kind of like first dates. It's kind of like speed dating with different people all the time. And it was hard for me at first. And then I was like, walk into a room and I'm like, Hey, this is what's happening. I'm dealing with this, 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 let's write about it. Mm -hmm. Or, or like, if I'm not feeling it, I'm kind of like, Eh, anybody else have an idea? <laughs> you know, it's just like you have to trust yourself enough to be vulnerable. Yeah, I can imagine that. But getting to that vulnerable state or staying in that vulnerable state can be a challenge. 
Yeah, it's it's kind of going into those dark parts of your brain that um, maybe you don't want to see or maybe that you've put away for a little bit. But at the end of the day, like bringing those parts up can really help other people. And I think that that's the beautiful thing about art and songwriting is just like, if this is, if this was the thing that um, I went through that was really negative in my life, hopefully it could impact somebody else positively. Hopefully it could help somebody else. Um, So that's why, that's what I like to see with the future of our writing and like the future of our songs. We're very, very much um, an advocate on, Everybody is loved. You are loved. We want everybody to know that they are seen, heard, and they feel safe at our shows. Um, and they feel safe when they listen to our music. And they can embrace the weird, the unique, the crazy part of themselves they don't, that they don't feel comfortable bringing out in everyday life. Because um, that's me, you know? Um, sometimes it's hard to be yourself around people. And at the end of the day, you'll find that life's just so much easier when you don't give a fuck. Very true. Very true. Yeah. How about moving to Nashville? Was was that yeah. something that what what went into that that process of you leaving the comfort of your surroundings and going to Music City? I never wanted to move to Nashville. I was always like, hell no. And my my parents were like, Julia, why don't you give it a try? You know, because I did Brooklyn, I did Phoenix of all places. Um And I thought I would find life. I found experiences and I lived life. And that ultimately fueled the decision to go to Nashville. Um, I realized at a young age, well, at the young age of 20, that like I wasn't going to make music happen in New York, not at what I was doing. I wasn't going to make music happen in Phoenix. I could build a foundation, but it wasn't going to catapult me. Um, So I had an opportunity to move to Nashville and I took it. And oddly enough, I've been there for seven years and (laughs) it's funny because I'm, I'm such a gypsy. So I'm like, should I be moving by now? (laughs) Why was there a resistance, uh, resistance to moving to Nashville? Because I was like everybody else that doesn't really know much about Nashville. I was like, Oh, it's just country music. How am I going to do what I want to do there? But what I didn't know was there was this huge pop rock punk alternative scene that just started booming and uh we made our our footing there and it was it was a beautiful beautiful time for us because we were part of pop squad eight off eight we were part of all these pop bands that were that were really getting some some steam and growing you know growing fires and stuff and uh it really helped us find our voice uh it helped us find our community And because of the pandemic, it allowed us, oddly enough, it allowed us to create every single day. So we more so knew who we were as artists that we didn't really have that time to figure out before that. Um, So Nashville is basically Mama Bear for us. And we love her very much. What what's the biggest thing you learned either about yourself or about music while you're in Nashville? Hmm, that is a beautiful question. I think I'm learning something about myself every day. Um, <laughs> I'm definitely learning that I need to be uh, less hard on myself when it comes to, to my art and what I create. Because some days we just have days where we just don't want to do it. And that's okay. Um, I'm also learning that I'm a better writer than I thought I was. And I, um, my resilience is strong, which I always knew I was tenacious, but I didn't know I was that tenacious. Um, and I think that 
being through the ringer so many times and, and falling down and falling down really, really helps you become very, very strong. And, um, I've learned to be more vulnerable with people. I've never really, never really kind of opened up to people that much. And because of the community in Nashville, they have helped me. And I just hope that I've helped them, you know, musicians, people in general, like, I just want to spread this whole, you are loved. Please don't ever think that you're not good enough. Um, and that's what, that's what we're all kind of learning about ourselves as a band too. I find it fascinating that when you talk about an artist that's up and coming or the newness of for yourself, you know, being in the Foxies and moving to Nashville, there's, there's like a two prong push or a a sense of challenge, both musically Mm -hmm. and both mentally, right? Because you're, you're at the same time you're growing and evolving as a musician. Mm-hmm. You're really kind of quickly evolving as a person because you've got to overcome a lot of things that maybe you didn't know about or you didn't know that you could overcome them or didn't have the capability, but you figure out that you do, you can do this stuff. And, yeah, you know, I mentioned Jack's Hollow when I was introing the show and, you know, she spoke about putting together an album release party and booking the venue on her own, getting the other bands to play on the venue. And she's like, I didn't know how to do any of that stuff. Hmm? I started doing it. But then all of a sudden the night of the show afterwards, I'm like, wow, I put it up, put this all together. Yeah. And as you're writing and trying to find your sound while you're there and, and trying to craft a song and, and create music, you're also kind of creating yourself at the same yeah. time very interesting you are yeah and and you find very quickly that you are capable of much more than you ever thought you were you know and that's that's the crazy thing this is such an interesting industry because you go through so many phases every single day you feel so many different things every single day and sometimes we are you know we we push back on certain things that we don't want to uh, look at at that moment or deal with at that moment. But at the end of the day, we learn how to do it and because we have to. And I mean, music is the driving force for me. And it's like, if I don't do it, I would not be happy. You know, like we work, we learn, we learn to adapt for 30 minutes of happiness on stage. So it's, it's an interesting, a very, very interesting lifestyle. It's not for the week. And Every single day you learn something new, but it's a beautiful, beautiful, rewarding lifestyle at the same time. Do you feel that people drop out of the scene because the music's too hard to create or the other stuff behind it is too hard to accomplish? I think it's all various reasons. I mean, like music is difficult. It's very, very difficult to create something that everybody wants to hear that you're happy with, or, um, it's, it's hard to learn how to write. It's hard to allow yourself to tap into that part of your brain. But not only do you have that kind of going against you, sometimes you've got the world going against you where it's telling you, you have to be on TikTok. You have to be on all these platforms. You have to learn that and how to 
manipulate those platforms if you want streams. And so it's this crazy new world we are living in where everything is so easily accessible. So how do you become this huge, awesome, uh, motivational, inspirational rock band and, and slay on, on TikTok and all these social media platforms at the same time? And how do you marry that? And that's the thing that, um, I find is very difficult, but I also just think that like, hello, Pantheon podcast listeners, Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. People dip out because... Some, it is, it's a very hard, hard life and it's lonely. And it's, like I said, it's not for the weak. Um, and dipping out does not mean anybody is weak. It just means they found different priorities and that is okay. I think it's strong when people are like, this doesn't serve me anymore. It's time for me to do something else. Um, but it's also a strong thing knowing that you were meant for this and you keep going. Um, and that's a, that's, that's where, that's where we are currently. Do you think that you mentioned TikTok and all the other mm-hmm. social media platforms that are out there and how bands really have to involve themselves in order to make any type of headway? Do you think the do you think the payoff of creating TikTok videos and reels on Facebook? I don't even know where I think reels is a Instagram thing or whatever. Yeah. Um do you think the payoff 
for consistently doing that and creating all that stuff is worth the time to do it in order for you to be successful? I think if your message is received, then yes. Um, and I think it all has to do with your intention behind what you're doing. Um, if your intentions are pure, if your message is pure, if you just want to spread something that you believe in, I think that that is the payoff right there. Um, and if it doesn't, you know, hit people the way that you believe or the way that you think it will, then that's okay. At least you tried. I think that like all this time that we take trying to figure out how to connect with people, I think none of it's wasted. It's, it's all learning. Um, and there are days when I'm like, why am I doing this? Or like, why the fuck am I sitting down on TikTok for 12 hours? This is doing nothing for me, but it's a new way of learning. It's a new way of research and it's a new way of understanding the world. Um, as much as I hate it, I love it too. So coming off the EP, Mm -hmm. you obviously did the tour with the dead deads and now you're back. You've got uh, a, a single out, a new single. What, yeah. um, you know, after that EP, what kind of direction did you want to go into with creating? I think that that was something that we were all really kind of wondering about. Um, the, who are you now? Who were you then? That was a very, very self discovery body of work for us. Um, it took you through a journey of my brain going through relationships and the rela- relationships within myself. Um, but after that, I mean, we kind of had this, this idea of like, what, what can we create that makes us or makes people realize how relatable we are to them? I want to start writing music that everyone can relate to in a sense of like, you know, the new single, no better. Like, it's like, how do, you know, how do we all feel like, like giant children and adult bodies, you know, and, and like the, the deals and, and like life and, and going through life, looking at everybody and everybody looking like they have their shit together, but you don't. And it's very much like we want relatable content, but we want, we want relatable songs. So our shows can also be this, this party, but this, this unified front where everybody can relate to how we feel. And We don't want to be, I mean, it'd be cool to be seen as idols, but we want to be seen as relatable. We want people to feel like they come to our shows and they're like, ah, that's my friend up there. Um, So that's what we're trying to bring into this new body of work, whatever, whatever it's going to be. If it's going to be just a bunch of singles, an EP, an album. um, But we're in the works for that right now. So. When you think of the cycle now that exists with music and, you know, the constant flow of staying in front of your audience, staying in front of people, that is a huge challenge, too. Are you OK with that? Are you OK with keeping the, 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 the fire in the, in the fireplace or, you know, the keeping the fire burning, so to speak? Um, yeah, I am. I feel like I feel like the fire always has to burn. You know, it, it always has to burn to fuel the creativity and to fuel, um, to fuel your, you waking up every day. If that answers your question, I hope it does. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, it just, you know, cause years past, 
you know, bands used to take a two year hiatus, you know, in between mm-hmm. longer, you know, and just yeah. completely move, move away. And I don't know if that helped the, you know, the creative process being away from mm-hmm. something or hindered the process that I think that's really up to the individual and the artist or the band. Um, but I also think there's some benefit to remaining out in front and keeping totally. momentum going. And I, I think that's for, it's also positive for the fan as well. And it's also for the artist yeah. too. Well, you know, too, I've noticed with myself, like I definitely do need breaks. I think breaks are beautiful in a sense of like, allow yourself to, to go on a vacation or give yourself a mental break. Uh, do what you need to do to allow yourself to create the best creation that you can make. Um, but I also know that with me, if my break is too long, I start getting anxious. I start feeling stagnant. I start creating things that, um, are fueled by anxiety more than anything. So there's a beautiful balance of keeping that fire going, but also allowing, uh, your mental state to feel refreshed and to hit that reset button. Um, and it really just depends on, on what your soul needs and who you are as a human and, and, it's allowing you to listen to yourself a little bit more. And what do I need today? Or what do I need to do for this month? As far as new music goes for the Foxes, mm-hmm. what are you currently working on now? So we are working on a bunch of singles, actually. Um, we got quite a few singles that we're going to be releasing throughout the rest of the year. And we're thinking about another EP probably next year. But it really all depends because who knows? It's like, what's the world want? I don't know. We're just going to create, create, create and see what happens. But I do know that there will be more shows, a lot more shows. As far as shows, I mean, are you, I mean, it's so hard to tour right now with the holds that are on venues. Um, I think it was, I think it was Tuck Smith who said there was like five to seven holds on venues across. And I think that'll dissipate once, you know, because everybody's out now because there's really no restrictions anymore. Yeah. Um, and I think people have been working on new music, so now they want to get out and tour it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that'll fade, you know, and I, and hopefully there'll be more opportunities for, for yeah. people to play in other venues. I mean, like when you think about Chicago, I was just having this conversation last night. You know, you can do a weekend in Chicago, like a a, a, a gig on like the south part of the city. And then yeah. Do a- a gig on the north side of the city and then out in the burbs and you could you know mm-hmm. because the city's so big totally um, but you still still got to book it and you still got to you know develop it and, and build yep. it up but you know when you are on tour you know what do you look to do are you are you more of a festival type band are you trying to do the grind what what do you what do you look for i mean honestly so we just got off um the europe and uk festival circuit and that was such a beautiful experience because that was kind of like our first real European festival circuit we've ever done. I mean, we toured with Billy Idol um, at the end of 2022 in Europe. And that was like our first taste of like, oh, European crowds. This is sick. <laughs> and then you go and you play these festivals and you're you're being reminded as to why you're there. You know, everybody is just so happy. Everybody wants to sing along. They want to dance. They're not scared to dance. It's a beautiful party, no matter how big of a band you are, how small you are. Um, And from this tour, we did do festivals and we did do the grind and smaller venues and stuff. And we would go from, you know, playing 
10,000 to 10,000 people at festivals to a lot smaller in, in, in these, these other, you know, club rooms. Um, we want to do it all. It's like whatever makes sense for the band and the music at the time. Um, but at, at the end of the day, our biggest, biggest goal is to tour the world in arenas and, and, and stadiums and spread, spread the, the kindness that everybody needs um, through music. Yeah. I, I just, I always wonder why crowds outside of the U S or most parts of the U S like overseas, whether it's South America or Europe and the UK has this such passion. Dude, they're amazing. I didn't want to leave. I was like, I was like, please adopt us, adopt us. And it's, it's funny because our, our tours are happening more in Europe and the UK than they are in America. And if that's just how it happens for a bit, then hell yeah. Like I'll pack my passport. I'll pack my bags. It's time to go. Let's, let's make a name for ourselves there. And then hopefully America will catch on. Hopefully. Yeah. I mean, and I think it is, I think, I, I think rock and roll rock music in general is really in a great place because mm-hmm. I think there's less interference from the labels yeah, from, from people who are the powers that be, because the relevancy question arises from rock and roll. And I think it's truly underground at this point, especially for the new bands. And I think that's a, that gives a sense of excitement. And I yeah. think as this younger generation dives into more rock music, I think that's only going to get stronger and stronger, especially because the quality of music is so good too, as well. Totally. And all of these, like, um, every single decade of rock and, and just music in general is coming back. You know, you got the seventies, you've got eighties, you've got nineties grunge, you've got early two thousands, everything is making a resurgence. So it's like, it's a free for all, you know, like everybody's just going to end up loving all types of music. And I'm hoping that like the radio gets back to being like top 40 when it was in in the late 90s like 97 when you're listening to TLC Smashing Pumpkins Third Eye Blind Nirvana all of this different type of these different types of bands and different types of genres joining as one um and so i i think you're right i think it's it's working in that direction um europe's already got it they're like rock music and I think America slowly, it's, it's happening. It's happening again, which I love. <laughs> What's it's that time. Radio? It is time. Totally agree. What's that radio station in the UK? I think it's Planet Rock. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah. I that's mean, a good one. I wish they had something like this or like that here in the US because that's such a powerful outlet. It's it's such a great outlet. And, you know, finding music now, people are doing that through TikTok and it's like, all right, what else can we, how else can we find music? You know, let's, let's get back on the serious. Let's get back on the radio stations. Get, let's get back into vinyls. Let's, let's get back to listening to a full song instead of a 30 second clip. Yes. To a full album. And speaking of, don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but ours will be released on vinyl sometime this year. <laughs> That's awesome. What about Which new I'm really excited. I, I I'm excited because I love vinyl. So um, when can we expect a new single? Uh, no better. It's, I would say, end of August. Okay. Um, that's when it's going to come out. So let's hope that it, it, it stays on track for that. Um, 
but we're really excited for this one because it's just, you know, it's kind of like, it's that whole idea of like, I feel, I still feel like a child. How does everybody look like they have everything together? And I still don't. But then you realize everybody's just, we're all children trying to just figure out this world together. So. Isn't that the secret, right? Everybody feels like yeah. they're the only one who can't get their shit together. But then if you just take a step back, you realize no one has their shit together. And anybody who claims that they do is full of it. Full of it. Totally. It's like, okay, cool. You might have your shit together for an hour of the day, but what are you doing for the other 23? You know, like, <laughs> well, I'm like, it, what? It, oh. It's that, it's that social media facade, right? Yeah. And I always have to yeah. tell my friends or people this. I'm like, no one takes a picture of themselves feeling like crap and posts it no. on social media. Everything is happy. Look what I'm doing. I'm having the time of my life. And then you feel like, oh, this person's always doing something. And it creates like this, you know, facade that like doesn't exist. And you feel you have to compete with that. Mm-hmm. And it's just a cycle of BS. The competition and the, the, um, comparing yourself. That's a huge thing. And it's something that I try to remind myself. Don't compare yourself to anybody else because everybody else is on a different path. Like what what, they're on their own different timelines. It's not your timeline. So focus on yourself, making yourself happy, others happy, and then everything will fall into place. And yeah, social media. I'm going to start taking pictures of myself when I feel like shit. And hopefully that gets some likes. (laughs) Or, or, Or you're like going through a difficult time. Like you fell at like Home Depot or something like that. You know, and you'll take a picture yeah. of yourself like on the ground, you know. I fell. Oh. <laughs> Give me love. As I always tell my son who's getting ready to go to college, I said, your path is your path. You know, yes. you live your life. Your journey is your journey. And whatever you do, I'll support it, provided it's not destructive and hurting anybody. Yes. <laughs> but, exactly. You know, exactly. Go out and live your life and 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 do what you want to do. Um totally. And find your happiness. Yeah, find your happiness and and do what makes you happy. Like take the time to find your happiness because so many people don't take that time. And I think that like if we just all took time to really dig deep and realize like what makes me truly happy, then the world would be a better place. I think. Julia, this has been great. Um, oh, Jay, thank you so much, man. I appreciate the conversation and look forward to next time. You got to come back when you release the album or and that's all ready to go. Hell yeah, dude. Hell when yeah. You got to come up and play time. Chicago. Oh, God, I know. Honestly, we might be doing that throughout the, uh, the fall and winter, which will be cold, but fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> well. You know, one of the advantages of, of climate change is our winters have been pretty mild here the last few years. So Okay, that's good to know. That's good to know. <laughs> but thank you again. I appreciate the conversation and learning more about you. Thank you very much. Thanks, man. Enjoy your day. Absolutely. Everyone, check out the Foxies on all the social media apps. You can follow them. All the links will be in the show notes when this posted their Spotify link and all their links to social media and their website. So check all that out and check out their music, check out their tunes. It's really cool stuff. I'm Jay Scott. This has been another episode of the hook rocks, the ultimate rock music podcast. Thanks again for tuning in. See you next time. Take care of each other and stay safe.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 